This is my year of not sucking or fucking. Prayer warriors pay pigs and my fellow Americans. Let me be clear. Yeah, I've been fucking in morning. I'm very tired of the audacity of these broads. I actually give Bill Clinton enormous credit. I think it's easy to be cynical. But I hope for a future of no more feminism. A future of blatant sexism. And together we can abolish monogamy for the sake of the economy. I think the American people are hungry. This is a certified big soy naturals classic. What's up, Sigmas? It's <laughs> it's big soy naturals. I'm Cerise. I'm doing I'm the Kendall. intro. That was Kendall. Kendall is not doing the intro. Um, <laughs> as I'm sure many of you know, many of you are. Uh, young, impressionable people, brand new in the world, babes in the woods, so to speak. And you come to Big Soy Naturals for all kinds of things. You ask us, so how, do, how do I live my life? How do I talk to people on the phone? How do I not have imposter syndrome when I try to bring up an idea at the DSA meeting? And often, many of you are asking us, how do I fuck? (laughs) How do I fuck? How do I fall in love? Um, And obviously, you ask the two of us because we're sigmas. And you can be a sigma, too. Mm -hmm. That's why we're renaming the podcast Call Them Sigmas. (laughs) Because we're sigmas. Or at least... I am. I don't know if people remember, but a certain Kendall who did not do the intro um, took a took a little what character are you from the ABO universe test. And Kendall got Omega both times. I I would like to think Sigma. I would like to think that being married puts me at a level where at least like I've achieved what what the people who can't fuck want, right? That or at least some of them. Does not really line up for me because, like, okay, aren't <laughs> Omegas in the Omegaverse like partnered kind of all the time? That is true. Isn't that sort of the thing that they're really mm. good at? Even is like mm. <laughs> getting attached in a partnership. So I think I think, think Omegaverse, you know, is what? an Omega trait. Regardless, I think Omega advice is 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 valuable. I think it it it's warranted. Being partnered all the time means I do consistently fuck. So I think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this a solo podcast. Um, <laughs> it'll still be called Call Them Sigmas because those are my pro- call them Sigma now because that's those are my pronouns. So still going to seem plural but you won't be a part of it it's going to be a solo venture i can't um, believe wait what me. hmm I'm, I'm getting sorry i'm getting word uh-huh uh-huh so yes i have just been let go by mm-hmm. the ceo of our of our company big soy networks um it was my fault for trying to make um 
Cerise and Kendall big titty plushies um, that were unlicensed and sell them on my street corner. That was my bad. Um, and I will be releasing my iOS press release shortly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway. People don't know this about us, but we actually have a boss. Um, mm-hmm. We're not the ru- ones that run uh, the, the Big Story Network. It's actually our, our boss, um, Stave Bortnoy. We're a <laughs> subsidiary... <laughs> of car stool ports Um, i was gonna i remember them being called uh stool sample farts but that's just me yeah that was before the (laughs) rebrand see the other reason why i feel like this partnership isn't working out is like not only are you not a sigma like me but you also like don't pay attention in any of our team meetings and I just feel like I'm carrying a lot of the weight of this podcast because first of all you can't you can't bring the sort of enriching content that I can bring as a sigma male you know it's like you can only bring like omega contributions um okay but but every other word that you say is like leaking you know you're always talking about (laughs) leaking and like (laughs) and it's like sometimes we need to talk about like i will yes and um, you to the grave but i refuse to i refuse i will beat the leaking allegations sometimes we need to talk about watching the movie drive and like relating to ryan gosling um sometimes Mm -hmm. we need to talk about like other stuff uh besides pheromones and Uh, changing oil in a car you know yeah just feel like Um, you are not really a good fit for a a sigma dating and sex podcast maybe maybe mm-hmm. you could partner up with uh i heard that jensen ackles is looking for work <laughs> i i mean i've heard he's been booked and busy since uh playing like a fascist on the boys but or that fucking amazon show i feel but like being a fascist will say, is also an omega trait uh, <laughs> okay i just want to say I think that, you know, that one of the big dynamics of most podcasts is that there's two di- there's two dynamic forces. It's the dialectic, and dialectic means two, as we all know. And I think that it's always about the push and pull, right, between the two hosts. I'm pushing. One's on one side, one's on the other side. You're pushing. I'm pulling. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna push and I'm gonna pull. <laughs> you're gonna do. You're gonna do both. I'm going my own way. Okay. <laughs> But Any since advice? this is our, our final episode together before mm-hmm. I throw you to the wind, um, mm-hmm. do you have any dating or sex advice for our um, um, sad little wannabe Sigma listeners? You know, you know, mine, um, I, have to, I have to think back to nature, right? I have to think back to the primal self. And I have to think about like what, like, what kind of animals are like Sigmas. And, you know, I think everyone thinks of like the, you know, some of them, but then like you think of like the wolf and the tiger and the lion, the kings of the jungle. But I don't think a lot of people think about um, uh, the peacock, 
you know, I don't think a lot of people think about the peacock, but it is, I would consider it a very Sigma animal. And what I would suggest to you as a Sigma is to go to the dollar store. You are not a Sigma. I just want to fact check you live right now. <laughs> Confirmed, not I'm a self, Sigma. I'm, self, I, I'm self-identifying and I'm valid. Um, <laughs> I took no. a quiz. I took a separate quiz online and now I'm a Sigma. Oh um, yeah? Did you take would... like a different school? uh-huh no one saw it didn't uh-huh. show the results anywhere no, i didn't show the i didn't show the results but i got uh, mm. i got actually like super sigma which is like even better than sigma but anyway i see um what i would suggest to you you know to to model the behavior of the peacock is to go to the dollar store pick out the brightest plumage you can find in the craft section and i want you to just like glue that to the bottom of your pants and just parade around, you know, show, assert your dominance as someone with a large, pl- like healthy plumage and show the, show the girlies what they're missing. You know, that's my suggestion to you is to, you know, they, the other Sigmas, they're going to imitate like, a, like wolf alpha behavior. They're going to imitate the lion and, you know, make all the women do the hunting for them. I suggest you go for, like, the unexpected kind of animal to model your behavior after. So that's my advice. I feel like that's omega-coded advice. (laughs) Um, How so? Because I feel like, you know, you're thinking so much about, like, oh, what's everyone else doing? And then mm-hmm. you're like, I can't compete with the lions and the tigers. I'm going to be like a different third weird animal. But I wouldn't even be thinking about what other people are doing. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I'm a sigma, you know, I don't pay attention to others. I'm very selfish and I just do what I want. And um, it always works out because I also don't pay attention to the reactions that my actions have. Um, so really nothing that I do has any negative consequences. Um, because you I just don't walk care. away. Right. Kind of like how in the movie Drive, that guy mm-hmm. just drives away from stuff. <laughs> That's yeah, what he I just, do. You know, he runs someone over, he drives away. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I just have, like you. I think actual advice. Um, okay. You know, For a second, I, have, I thought you were going to confess to hit and run on here, but if I I have done that actually, but it, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it what? was fine. What? No, what is going okay, on? I'll tell. I can tell the hit and run story, but I have actual uh, dating and sex advice to give out. Okay, but, okay. So when I was a, a kid, um, mm-hmm. and I'd be in the car with my mom and my little brother, my mom would mm-hmm. play this game whenever a pedestrian was crossing the road where she would go, should I eliminate this person? Um, Like giving my brother and I power over whether the person crossing the street would live or die. And my brother and I would always like cheer for her to drive them over. Um, But then once she got close to hitting them, Mm -hmm. we'd be like, no, stop, spare them. And, and it was, it was just a fun game for the whole family of, you know, like judge, jury and executioner in the car. Yeah, No one ever got hurt because Mm -hmm. we would always stop her and she probably would have stopped on her own too, but it was just Mm -hmm. like, you know, what if, and it was, it just brought, it brought the whole family together. It was fun. So then when I started driving, I had a friend in the car 
someone was crossing the street and I was like time to carry on the great tradition of what you you do when you see a pedestrian which is ask the car if you should run the pedestrian over (laughs) And, and so I asked my my friend should I eliminate this person and they were like yeah go for it and so I drove up really fast to hit this this person who, by the way, was an old woman. <laughs> no. And I waited for my friend to tell me to stop, but they didn't. Uh, and so then I did end up hitting okay. this old lady. Um, <laughs> but she was fine. Um, she got up and and she like ran over to me. Because I was trying to drive away now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I looked, I, I, you know, I, like, I, I realized what okay, I had done, and I felt bad about it. But I looked back, and I saw that she had gotten up, and I knew that, you know, like, my insurance, my driver's insurance going up is a whole thing. So I was like, I don't want to deal with that. And now that I know <laughs> she's fine, I'm just going to go. But she ran towards me and was like, excuse me, what? why what yeah yeah <laughs> and I was like uh, I would imagine I'm, she would uh, I'm sorry I didn't I didn't mean to but the thing is is that I did uh but she didn't know that and I was able to get away with it because she was like I saw you texting like don't text and drive like it's really bad I know that you're young and all you young people are always on your phones but like that could have been really really dangerous like and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. I won't text and drive. I was not texting. I was yeah. intentionally trying to hit her with my car. But <laughs> she was old, and I guess she had bad eyesight. Um, and so I, that, yeah. I'm not a very good driver. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've improved oh. since then. I was like oh. 16. Um, yeah, okay, okay. I would not do that now. Mm-hmm. Wow. But I feel like I was set, I was set up to fail by my mom because it mm-hmm. really was, this was a consistent, like, you know when people people play, like, I Spy in the car? We yeah. We played, like, you th- should, you thought it was like we I hit, Spy. Should yeah. we hit, like, the people walking across the street? You, you, play, you played Street Slammies, you know? <laughs> okay, but I have, I have real, for real dating and sex advice that okay. I think is is good advice and has served me well my whole life um which is that like when you are going to or or while you're in the process of having sex with someone for the first time um and this is like a new person to you you should ask them like in in whatever whatever moment feels like the right moment to do it like just what are they into generally mm-hmm. and then also tell them your own thing and this does not need to be like a consent to sexy conversation that is actually not sexy and robotic <laughs> um like <laughs> do you want some water yeah <laughs> let's check in about this let's have a performance review like 10 minutes through not that it can be like a it can be a hot conversation because mm-hmm. if they tell you what they're into, then you can do that thing. 
or Mm -hmm. like the other way around like they don't know you um this is the first time like if you tell them what you like it like gives them some like idea about what they should be doing next or it can like make them think of something that like they feel like goes along with the thing that you described like it I feel like always makes sex a lot better um if you can have that conversation and it also prevents like awkward moments from happening where if someone is like I really really don't like this like thing then you Mm -hmm. then you know you're not gonna do it um but you're you're more likely just gonna have a good time because yeah now you already know like what to do yeah yeah and you can do it in a hot way yeah it's not you do not need to ask them like the hotel checklist of like (laughs) you know rate me out of five stars um did you make your bed did you did you take the do not disturb sign off of the door so the maid can come in what would make you feel incredible (laughs) did you leave a little chocolate mint on my pillow after we had sex it's you know it's really like unfortunate the the harm that the consent is sexy people have done to mm-hmm. the sexiness of consent actually because uh, there's I think there's nothing better than when you are really into something and you know that mm-hmm. the other person is really into it and they feel like confident about what they should be doing next to like make you mm-hmm. feel good like that's that's a peak time but yeah. I don't, I don't know why so many of the sex educator girlies, they're not all girls, I'm using girl as a, as a general plural, why they're mm-hmm. so bad about talking about sex in a way that feels human. Yeah, it's, it, it's weird because it feels like, it feels like they're, tr- like, a lot of sex education stuff is, like, kind of marketed towards, like, a teen demographic, you know? So, like, a lot of, like, the language and verbiage they're using is, like, them also trying to, like, to, like get down to... It. Yeah, to sanitize it for, you but know, a teen audience. But it's, like, fucking dare, right? Where yeah. it's, like, once exactly. you... I think, like, when you, like... I don't know. If you, like, sanitize the conversation in a way where it just doesn't feel human, then mm-hmm. people are not going to know how to incorporate that into their own, like... practice of having sex because sex hopefully is like sexy and fun and now you have this like checklist of things that are is not is not fun and so yeah even though maybe you've like internalized the idea that it's like good to be clear that's like whatever it's like how do I how do I do that in a way that is like fun for me and fun for the Mm -hmm. other person To be clear, that's, like, not an excuse at all. To me, I think it's, like, part of it comes from this, like, compulsion to, like, like, you are the adult in the room talking to children and you want to, like, make sure that you don't make the conversation too weird. But it feels like in order, like, I think in order to break down those barriers, you're going to need to make the conversation a little more weird than just, like, ask your partner if they want water. um, Yeah, I'm not saying that the absence of this is the, like the fault or or like is an excuse for like people violating consent but I am saying Mm -hmm. that the absence of this is like people who maybe like are able to like ask for consent and like give it just like they don't know how to then do the other parts of that in a way that is like Mm -hmm. actually fun 
of like yeah. being able to express what they want and like and find out what the other person wants um mm-hmm. like in a way that feels human um they're not like I, I mean I think yeah. we're getting to with That's this series is that that's I think what we're getting advice. to in this series most of the time is that nobody's marketing sex in the proper in the proper way yeah, at all. Sex um, should be sexy. Yeah, and when, when you, I hear like, you describe sex, I want to think, "Oh, that's hot." I don't want to yeah. think, "You, I'm scared. Like, <laughs> I'm grossed out." <laughs> <laughs> or like, <laughs> this sounds like I'm being laid off, uh, <laughs> which is also the way that some of it sounds like it's. Very, I feel like, like I'm HR. getting. I'm. I feel like I'm getting a Yelp review. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to be grossed out. I don't want to sound like I'm in a a performance review meeting. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel like Kamala Harris is talking to me, which is also sometimes what it's like. It's like, (laughs) I don't know what you're saying. Like, none of these words make any sense in the order that you're using them. Um, The anus is a part of the body that I'm going to use. I don't want to feel like I'm, like... uh, hearing from a youth pastor either mm-hmm. so it, like i want sex should be sexy um and no none of the sex educators are marketing it that way right now and we'll get to them eventually but for now will we we're getting it might be on the docket maybe well i thought i thought erica moen was on the docket eventually i don't know we're getting there i'm gonna with her. find out i've i've got a couple clips i go I've got a couple of clips of her teen, her book for teens that she just released. Oh, I don't um, want to hear that. I do that. want, I do want to, I know, but I do want to talk about it because I think a lot of it is important um, to discuss when we're talking about sex this much. Um, but not today. Yeah. We will, yeah, we will okay. be tabling that well, for later. <laughs> moving on from white women that live in Portland and have pink hair, um, we're thanks back for <laughs> thanks for specifying. Our- series my year not sucking or fucking this is episode four call them sigmas um in our episode 3d print the sex robots a gun which once again was a command um that you should Mm -hmm. be following we described what it meant to have uh what dworkin calls skinless sex which is sex where the barriers of your own and your partner's separate personalities fall away in this like intimate moment that you're sharing. And as a result of having this experience together, you feel this like profound and intense closeness during. Um, and while skinless sex is always possible between like any sex partners, because the only thing that's required is um, an empathy for the other person's humanity, it does not always happen. Because as we discussed in our episode, Repulsion, starring the one and only Logan Paul, as well as some Mm -hmm. other um, unsavory characters, a lot of men are not capable of seeing women as full people outside of sex, and it affects what they're capable of having with the women they they do have sex with. Um, We already talked in... Uh, the the episode where we 3D print the robots a gun what happens to the men who like pursue skinless sex but they aren't able to have it because of their own misogynist hangups they're the ones that are making the sex robots that I am going to program to kill Uh, chapter 3 of Intercourse by Andrew Dworkin is about what happens to the women who like desire this kind of sex but they can't have it 
because their partners, the ones that they're having sex with, are the ones that can't tell the difference between a sex robot and a human person. Yeah, um, so in chapter three, um, of intercourse, it's called, uh, the title of the chapter is called Stigma, uh, and Stigma comes, stigma. which rhymes with Sigma, so there you go. That's, There's that's the, where I am. That's, that's what Cerise is, and that is the <laughs> thesis of this episode. Is that I'm um, a Sigma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stigma comes from the Latin for mark, um, and the Greek for tattoo, and initially it meant a scar left by a hot iron, but now it's used like less literally to mean a mark of shame or discredit. The plural is stigmata, which you, you know, you Catholics might 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 know. Um, it, it's usually used to describe the wounds left on Jesus' Jesus um, and his hands after he was uh, resurrected from his crucifixion. I've seen recipes before for um, like holy days in catholicism where they have little stigma cookies stigmata cookies and they're the little like sugar cookie hand and then like a little jelly center so something that people might not know about me is that i also have the stigmata that jesus christ has (laughs) i was just born with it and i'm Uh not really sure like why i have that i think maybe i was like selected by god for some sort of higher purpose maybe Mm -hmm. to have like a really popular podcast um solo (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I'm not uh, sure yet. Do do non Catholics they don't have they don't care about the stigma? I mean, That's I don't know if they I don't know if they like super care about it. Like I know that probably there are some sects that do. I just know that Catholics love the stigma. Um, like you know they love a lot of about dramatic imagery. That it, well, one thing about Protestants that is weird to me is they really don't like the crucifixion. They're they not, don't. They're they not into it. it. When I was, um, I used to go to rural Virginia a lot uh, when I was younger to visit my dad's side of the family. Um, and they're white and they're Protestant. Um, my dad is not, he's cool. He's like an edgy atheist. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but like he would, uh, you know, appease them by like taking... Um, me mm-hmm. to to church with his family when we were visiting on the weekends and like they have crosses but they never have Jesus on the cross no and I remember never. asking like what's up why why do you never have him on there because when you go to Catholic mass he is front and center Everywhere. shirtless yeah. they have him you know like bleeding I've, everywhere I've, yeah he's bleed it's very macabre and it's also a little bit like um either, like i i don't think erotic. i ever thought that he was sexy but it is erotic yeah that yeah. was the word i was looking for because i was mm-hmm. not trying to say that i was attracted to it but just like no the, but it is, is erotic imagery erotic yeah. about it where like the yeah. way that he's posing on the cross is like oh yeah like sis why are you arching your back like that um (laughs) he really is just like yeah so it's 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 just something that when you are a kid like you definitely you're noticing it whenever you go to church it's just like oh he's right he's right there he's really big um and he is posing and so Mm -hmm. i remember asking like why where's like why is your cross empty like why is he not there and they're like well he rose Mm -hmm. from the dead and i'm like yeah but he was on there like 
Why don't we get to see it when you? Because when they when they when they celebrate Christmas, they put a little baby Jesus in the manger, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, he's not a baby anymore. So why are you doing that? But you won't you won't put your shirtless Jesus in a sarong, arching his back, like <laughs> I you know that cross. Tumblr post. You know that Tumblr post where like I forget like how it went, but the end post was just. I mean, they did kill Jesus. I understand what you're going for, but they very much did kill Jesus. I feel like that's how, like, it feels with the Protestants, you know? They did. Where they're like, um, <laughs> where it's like, yeah, I, they they don't want they don't want to put him on there. They don't make mm-hmm. a big they they kind of don't make a big deal about the resurrection Ooh. at all, which is wild because that's sort of the I think the part of it that makes the whole Jesus thing crazy. Because before yeah. that, it's just like he's like a nice guy that like believes in magic tricks yeah and like is like poor people should get stuff and then all of a sudden they were like we don't like that that he came back from the dead that makes the whole thing like interesting but they don't pay Mm -hmm. that much attention to that part no they don't it's really weird um but like anyway sorry sorry for the theology moment (laughs) Sorry to scratch, the, scratch that off your for, for five minutes. <laughs> scratch that off your bingo card, pay pigs and prayer warriors. Mm-hmm. Once again, see Cerise talks about theology. Um, oh, but wow. <laughs> but Dworkin uh, makes the connection uh, between a more figurative stigma and Jesus's stigmata throughout the chapter, um, suggesting like immense punishment, suffering, and guilt as like a source of these marks. Yeah, the stigma that Dworkin is describing in the chapter is the mark that is carried by people, um, particularly women who like feel an intense sexual desire for sex that they cannot have, um, or sex that they have but leads to them being hurt or used or mistreated. Um, it's the mark left on women who pursue sex and love from men who are unable to give them this experience of skinlessness and their pursuit leads them into situations where they're hurt over and over and they carry their hurt and their longing for an experience that doesn't end in hurt with them. And while it might not leave any physical scars, the mark is still indelible um, and can be noticed by others. Yeah, it's a, it's long lasting. Um, Dworkin calls it like a, a great aura emanating from inside, an interior play of light and shadow, vitality and death, wanting and being used up, an identifying mark that is indelible, a badge of desire or experience, a sign that differentiates the individual carrying it, both attracting and repelling others, in the end, isolating the mark, the marked one who is destroyed by the intensity and ultimate hopelessness of sexual calling. So the stigma causes them to be stigmatized, right? Um, Noticed for uh, being used and hurt and then scorned for it. uh, Noticed for being used and attracting more users. I think, you know, if you're like, if if you want to continue with some of your literary references, I guess some people would like think of like the scarlet letter, you know, that kind of thing of like a, like a more just like a, a visual marker. Of, Did Scarlet um, fuck? Scarlet 
I thought Scarlet did fuck. Did she not fuck? I've, I've, I've I thought the whole point read... of. I feel like the whole point of the Scarlet Letter is that she did fuck and she was marked for being an adult. The A is for. I thought maybe that she did is for adulterer. But then she got. I don't know. I literally. Yeah. That's one of those those books that's like I know it's a classic, but it like I skipped it on my list, and mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh, it's it's high school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a high school book, so I haven't read it. But good literary reference. Thank you. I wish it landed with me, but I believe you. I believe <laughs> that you know. I know. I know that you know what it's about. I'm like I I I also haven't read it since high school. But the A was for adulterer, and I'm pretty sure she did fuck. But she didn't fuck like she wasn't like. I I don't know what else to describe it, but she wasn't like the town slut. You know what I mean? I'm confusing she just, it with I, the Emma like, Stone movie because she did yeah. not fuck in no. that one. No, she did not. Um, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure she did fuck. Anyway. <laughs> For her. Um, anyway, uh, Dworkin compares this mark to the stigmata, sort of like how Jesus willingly allowed himself to be crucified as a sacrifice for God to forgive humanity's sins. True, Once again, he did do that. Something that the Protestants <laughs> like to skip, but <laughs> uh, the stigma is self-imposed. Um, she describes it as uh, it is part of the change, uh, the charge of sexuality, an arrogant and aggressive pride in in the sense of hubris uh, that has a downfall built into it, a pride that leads by its nature, by virtue of isolating extremity to self punishment and self destruction to a wearing down of mind and heart, uh, both numb from the indignity of compulsion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um as we've like already discussed sex when it's good and everyone involved has respect for each other's humanity it's a way to meet yourself in the world like it is a reminder what it means to be human and is a very tangible confirmation that you're not alone like you're not the only person with an interior life on this earth so it's completely understandable that women um like seek out this experience and want it badly like just the way that anyone else might and for some women like sex might be the only time that they're able to meet men in equilibrium like when the sex is over they have to deal with the consequences of repulsion um and so some women like look to sex as a way to force acknowledgement that they're that they are people from men who treat them like they are not um or they just like simply enjoy the feeling in the moment that someone else is real and that they are real too but the whiplash of going from being real to being an object of disgust is like painful and it can also make you um feel crazy um like the experience that you're having is telling you one thing like that you are a real person um and that this person sees you and it feels like irrevocably true but then afterwards you're treated as disposable or like as a source of shame um, he calls the and, uber and right tells you what, to is go. The way, what was that guy saying is like as soon as yeah. as soon as he nuts he's pulling out his phone and calling the uber app like yeah. i can't imagine how like I mean, that would make me feel really shitty if that happened to me. Um, Oh, I'd go insane. And, like, I think it would be really difficult to, like, try to 
bring together like you know like my human like genuine enjoyment of sex and like wanting to have sex and then knowing that that is like a thing that might happen afterwards like that just I mean it sounds sounds so terrible I would um I would shoot um, yeah anyway like yeah shoot. So there's, shoot. there's only so many times that a person can go through that like I think mm-hmm. even once could be enough before someone like starts to carry the pain of those experiences with them oh extremely damaging Um, and like that is that is the mark that Dworkin is talking about like that's the that is the stigma and so Dworkin says like isolation intensity panic restlessness despair unbreachable loneliness even propel the person the price paid for the obsessed passion is the erosion of innocence innocence being in the end only hope yeah and i mean to be clear like dworkin isn't using innocence here to convey any kind of notion of christian chastity once again like she's not i feel like we always have to say like she's not talking about like banning sex but like it's true that like innocent like i feel like when people hear the word innocence they think about um like you know very christian ideals especially like here in the west of like all right, like take the flower and crumple it up and then look at the flower and oh, it's damaged. And that did someone say that? Oh, yeah, in Episcopalian school, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. You went to a religious school for like, I I went to a religious school for like a year, um, in like sixth grade. I had to, I once again, I had to a crumpled flower. Yeah, I had to repeat, so I had to repeat sixth grade (laughs) because I went to, I went to special school for gorgeous individuals. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and it meant that like, I had to, like when I got into normal school, I had to, uh, repeat a grade because they didn't have proper grading or whatever the fuck. Anyway, I repeated sixth grade. Um, and I went to an Episcopalian school for like a year was severely bullied. And then, um, like that was one of the instances I had at Episcopalian school. The other instance was like, so Mrs. G- Miss GS, who is who, who I saw was like she was she Name was a um, she yeah I, why not she's probably fucking dead by now um, <laughs> I don't know she I don't know how old she was in the end but anyway um, she was the religion teacher and she was also the pastor and like while she was like pretty good in religion in religious studies about trying to get us to like talk about other religions we talked a lot about buddhism and like hinduism and all that stuff she like tried on that front i'll give her that um i do remember when we went to a friday sermon and she started talking about noah's ark and i was just sitting there and all of a sudden she says like and the dinosaurs couldn't fit on the ark so they couldn't come and i'm just like thinking like i hmm okay (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's not because I was like, mm. once again, autism coded. I was I was I was kind of into dinosaurs. I had a dinosaur phase earlier. Um, and so I sense. knew that like dinosaurs and yeah, and I, <laughs> I knew that dinosaurs and like mammals didn't exist around the same time. So I was like, hmm, interesting. But yeah, we also had like a brief sex talk that was like more for like 11 year olds of like biology and things like that. Um, and they put on like a shitty tape from like God knows when it felt ancient. It was probably like, I bet it was made in like 1995. Like that's how old it felt even at the time, which was like 2007. Um, 
but then Mrs. GS came in and she like took a flower in her hand and she gave us all a flower and she was like, all right, now crumple it. And we're like, okay, we'll tighten our fist around it real tight and then let go and look, the, the flower is is gross now. And That's I was what like, happens it doesn't look that bad. One time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's Dude, I feel no like that's what people me. I never got I, that, but I got this that is not, once. yeah, that's not what Dwarf is saying. She's not she's saying no 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 the opposite that's, of that. Well Yeah. Well is it the opposite. She's just not saying it. That's not what she's saying. I feel like that yeah. that's what uh, I think a lot of people who are like who think about like innocence being tied to Christian chastity, that's what they think of. But in this case, Dworkin is talking about innocence meaning like uncorrupted. As in, like, you can have sex with any number of people without being corrupted if those experiences are respectful and fun. The problem is when you have a transgressive experience during sex, and that's when it becomes corruptive. You know, like, that the... Once again, like, I feel like we constantly have to say, like, she's not saying there isn't a possibility for sex to be respectful and fun. In fact, she is saying the, like, exact opposite of that. That, like, sex can open so many doors for like being known and being intimate with someone else um in ways that like you could you could never be able to experience on your own but yeah and and also in this case when she's talking about like corruption she's not even talking about like um like rape or assault but like having a sexual experience that like you don't like feel violated after but mm-hmm. it's just like you were not being viewed. You don't as feel a, valued. Like you know? yeah, you were not being viewed as like a full human during, and like you experience the consequences of that after. Like you feel used. Um, yeah, and while like you may have like fully consented like to the mm-hmm. experience. It's just like the the feeling of being used is like a corrupting one, and that it like impacts you. It like changes your approach to yeah. sex and the way that you feel about it. And, like, obviously, it's not anyone's fault effort if they feel used or mistreated um, in that sense. Like, that is corrupting, and you can feel the pain of it, even if it only happens from one person, or even if it only happens, if it doesn't happen in, like, the most extreme ways that people can think it can happen. You know, it damages your trust in others, your trust in yourself, uh, your understanding of what it means to feel close. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I've like witnessed, like especially like got undergrad college, like fucking forget it at a at a majority women's college. Jesus Christ, the way those 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 boys tore some of my friends asunder um, in ways that like they just they were so emotionally broken um, afterwards. Yeah, and it, just, it like damages it, your ability to feel present in sex, like in the future. Yeah, because you're worried about like, am I going to be mistreated after instead of just like being there in the moment that's happening? Yeah, like most of all, your experiences in sex, like, com- like your result in your dignity, like completely being disrespected by your partners, and it changes what you can imagine sex to be like. So you have to completely like factory reset <laughs> your expectations of what you want out of it. Or even like learn to like the feeling of being used if you go the opposite way of trying to um, exit this feeling. Yeah, and I think that that's like the part of this that makes this interesting because like on its own, it's not that new um, or interesting of an observation that like being hurt 
changes people um, and it like leaves them with something that people who want to hurt others are going to recognize and be attracted to but that you can like learn to love the feeling of being used and like that you learn to love being used and that this defines many women's sexual experience with men is kind of the crux of intercourse like when a woman has sex with a man um like any of the logan paul podcast men um have described doing it and he like fucks her in a way that makes her feel like she might as well be a like a sex robot Um, Or he makes her feel responsible for the shame, like, that he's going through internally um, by treating her poorly when the sex is over. Like, her feelings might be hurt, but she probably doesn't feel violated. And having partners like that sometimes are just a normal part of sex um, and dating under patriarchy for women. Like, experiences like that are not notable enough that people really draw attention to them as like harm that is done um when the world is a particular way and you live in the world you get used to how it is and you learn to enjoy what you can from it so a woman can have a completely dehumanizing sexual encounter with the man that she went on a date with and it would not be unusual if she wanted to see that man again no not at all um Alex is playing like it feels weird why does it feel weird is it you sometimes you just can't fucking see it and it gets fucking worse here we go this is so unhealthy I know it is it's extremely unhealthy because does he other than like sex Mm -hmm. like consistently make you feel great about yourself he'll compliment you yeah I get complimented I think um what do you tell me (laughs) Uh, it was one of those, um, oh, I've never, I've never dated a black girl before, but you know, you're like really pretty for, and I stopped him. I said, what? And he was like, you're just, yeah, you're just really pretty. And I was like, yeah, I wish you would have continued that sentence. I get that a lot. Oh, I've never dated a black girl before. You're the first black girl I've ever dated. Why do men think that's something you should say? I don't know. And it's so awkward. It's so uncomfortable. Like, do you want, do you want like a prep manual? Like, yeah, it's, like it's going to be a little darker than you're right, used to. Right, But like nothing's different. <laughs> nothing's bitch. still pink on the inside. Right. Hair might be a little thicker right. down there, it, but it's still the same. It feels the same, bitch. Like it works the same. It's still a WAP. Wow. Wait, it it's is crazy. a WAP. It is a fucking WAP. It's a WAP. Wait, can you, I think that's amazing mm-hmm. for you to touch on like how that has affected you in dating when men, yeah. have you, do you date a lot of white guys or? I do, guys. yeah. I do okay. date a lot of white guys. It just happens. I mean, they just... Right, they right, right. And they're telling you that you're just a pretty black girl. How fucked up and how yeah. annoying. And what do you usually say to that? I usually just don't say anything. I don't know how to respond. I, I think, think that's the best yep. response is no response. Yeah, like, it's just, like, I, I'm just so uncomfortable. And, like, it, it's almost like they say it, like, they want a prize for it. Like, right. oh, congrats. There was one guy. As his dick is in my mouth, I'm literally sucking him off. He goes, oh, my God. Head from a black girl is amazing. <gasps> As I'm sucking him off. Like, what do you say to that? Like, how about just head from Katie is amazing? Uh, head from Katie like, is amazing. Dude. Did we have to go there? Oh. What? In what world? It, like, they're psycho. Why the fuck yeah. would you say that to me while my while your dick is in right. my mouth? And they probably, I don't know what his thought process was, but wow. you know what I found out that white men have? Tell me. The nerve. The, nerve. <laughs> the audacity. <laughs> <laughs> white men have the fucking nerve. They got the fucking nerve. Dude. Man, but. 
So you just kept getting. Uh, so. But yeah, so I I feel like this is a really good example of like what we're describing, where oh, yeah. this like experience is abhorrent to me. Um, but it you know it isn't like a it's not like a transgressive one, right? Like no. th- this person is just being rude and shitty. Um, yeah. But it like is is being like normalized in the way that this woman is talking about her experience with dating where First she's like rule, how do I like, like how do I take this thing that's happening and like flip it in a way that like makes it work for me or like encourage this guy to behave a little bit differently and I, th- mm-hmm. I think like the especially the part where she's describing telling this man that she like doesn't trust him but that yeah. she's like going to just keep going back to him for sex and also like that he is being racist to her and that this is just um like a normal part of what she sees as dating and I I think like um there's a part in this interview where our interviewer and maybe you recognize the voice and you know yeah if you do um I'm I'm a little upset for you uh personally but if you do yeah. recognize this voice, then you already know where we're going with this. Yeah. Um, um, but her, her interviewer asks her, like, do you date a lot of white guys? And she's like, yeah, I do. And then we find out that she's biracial. And you, I, I have to speak to my community for a second. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, but I will say, okay, so I, I will not go so far as to say that I have dated a lot of white guys. Mm-hmm. But I have had a lot of white guys want to date me. And I think the thing that she's describing is something that I can like recognize as true is like they, for some reason, I think, well, not for some reason, they feel <laughs> uncomfortable that they're attracted mm-hmm. to someone that's black, someone that they don't think they should be attracted to. So they're like naming it and trying to make you feel a little bit bad for it so that they they have now let you know that they don't think what they're doing is normal and they've gotten to put that out there and say that out loud. Um, yeah. So, th- so that now it's established that like, we don't think like that everyone knows that this is not like the right way for them to be behaving. And I think mm-hmm. that if you are a black woman who is straight and is primarily dating white men, I can see how this becomes just a normal part of your your dating experience where it's like, right. oh yeah, this is like one of the annoying things that I have to navigate. And so it like like we were saying like it becomes normal, you get used to it and then mm-hmm. you find a way to like have enjoyment in it, which is like you're having sex with this person that is saying mm-hmm. that you're pretty for a black girl and you don't trust him. Right. But the sex is good and like you know we've already talked about like what that means and so you are um like putting yourself in the the way of like being harmed of like being marked the way that Dorkin describes because you don't see um you like you have you you are not able to like uh, imagine a possibility where sex and dating is not like this and that is just like sadly like what can become normal if that is like all of what your experiences are 
Mm-hmm. Although, yeah, you know, I mean, don't date, don't date white guys. Don't yeah. do that. <laughs> you don't a get friendly... to say that. Yeah. I'm wokely against miscegenation. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, she did ask the question, why do guys do that? And I think you answered that for her. Um, so if you recognize the voice, then maybe mm -hmm. you'll understand. We thought it was only fair that since we brought in Logan Paul on an earlier episode, we would bring in the female equivalent, um, which is call, call her daddy. Something I learned in my research of mm -hmm. this this woman there's two women and then there's one but the main the main woman the blonde one is that she and logan paul have had sex so this is actually yes. a perfect continuation of what we're doing here like mm -hmm. it's bridging uh the connections that we're making um but yeah i think call her daddy really the, exemplifies uh, my what year it means. of not sucking and fucking extended universe if you will sure yeah um i think they really <laughs> exemplify like what it means to be a woman that has sex on men's terms and like mm -hmm. enjoys it um alex uh, is the one that fucked logan she hosts the podcast solo now there's another woman in some of these clips that we're going to play named sophia who in classic brunette fashion got herself ousted from the fifth most popular podcast in the world and the two of them are like modern day Carrie Bradshaw's, which is a comparison that we are making derogatorily. And I yeah. honestly, okay, like I thought that this was a little bit low hanging fruit for the example, but then I saw that they're the fifth most popular podcast in the world, and I'm like, this is this is what we're up against as a culture. Mm -hmm. Is it's it's these, literally these broads. So even though the, like, the way that they think and talk is not something that resonates with me as like I recognize this in my life uh, as, as a normal way for people to think and act um, I also have to like I live in a bit of a bubble I don't yeah like I don't do, really and you do so willfully with, like, so I do I do live in a bubble <laughs> on purpose but I, do, I I'm not in like the dating world of like mm -hmm. straight men and women yeah. um, and, da and so the dating the industrial complex is like so uh yeah so like, the things it's, that it's they so describe much. while they are not things that i can recognize as like relatable and true like they do really line up with what Dworkin is talking about and even though it feels so far-fetched that it must be fake it clearly like resonates with other people too mm -hmm. so yeah i mean it's we're you know yeah. gone are the days of like dear abby you're not looking for advice columns anymore you're you're calling into a podcast run by two women who work for barstool sports when instead um, you should be calling a podcast run by two they thems who work for car stool ports we have a hotline <laughs> that you should we do. call we do and we'll take your questions anytime. Mm -hmm. I've had a couple people who are not my friends that I don't I don't know you. Yeah. Um, and we're not we don't on know you friendly terms. DM me and <sighs> tell me like their their dating life situation and they're like, <laughs> what do I do? And I'm like, <laughs> we are not friends. 
So if you're going to do this to me, call in mm-hmm. so that I can make it content. But I'm yeah. not going to answer you in my in my DMs. I'm not yeah. going to fix call your life Call or text or hotline, you know, so that we know that we've you've given, like, the check mark, like, okay, I'm consenting you know, to have I to be used as content. So these call call your daddy girls, and I was getting very mad at them for, like, never getting to the fucking point when they were talking. But never. I am realizing that maybe I can't be upset about that. So anyway, <laughs> let's move I on. Mean, you know, um, let's move on to uh, some of Dworkin's uh, literary comparisons in the chapter. So like one of Dworkin's examples um, is The Rose Tattoo by Tennessee Williams, um, where the wife of the male character is magically left with a tattoo of a rose after sex. And the tattoo uh, doesn't just, yeah, kind of hot, honestly. If I woke up every day with like a new sick tattoo um, because of the person I had sex with, that's fucking tight. Um, but anyways, it is not tight in this story. This The tattoo does not just symbolize that they are sexually owned by this man. Um, but instead, as Dworkin says, the uh, the stigma is mystically transferred to her by a magic that is both carnal and spiritual, so that it signifies her essence, an active obsession, a passion that is both relentless and righteous, the whole meaning and praxis of her fierce character. So the rose tattoo is also like a physical symbol to like guide her memory um, of like tenderness and sensuality and of like the 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 goals of her obsession right um that she the like all of the intimacy that she shared with this man deludes her into believing she owns him as well even though he does not have a magic tattoo and she's the only one who does um Mm. well speaking of delusion um the caller daddy girls they have their own delusions of ownership like they're women speaking and giving advice to other women um but despite not one man being present like all of it is centered around submitting to patriarchal standards of sexual behavior um but none of this is like in a resigned sort of like lie back and think of england kind of way it's like with very like gleeful enjoyment and anticipation of getting to like have sex to these standards and of like having to conform to what men want from them it's it's and Mm -hmm. it's popular with an audience of women who also want to learn to enjoy um what they expect themselves to have to go through and now we get to listen to the the clip from you're just a hole which is such a cool title Dude, he fucking said, listen to this one. He fucking said Ariana Grande, he thinks she has like the one of the prettiest faces, so beautiful. Uh But he was like, but she has the body of a fucking prepubescent 12-year-old, so I'm obviously not trying to fuck. No. So he's not masturbating to Ariana I mean, Grande. I low key kind of it's agree. Though. True. Yeah, she does. It's a little She's rapey. beautiful, but yeah, it I, comes off a little see. rapey. Right. Well, that's whatever. That's all we have to say about that. Actually, you guys. no. Sorry, let me keep going. Oh, I just oh. I just remembered. Actually, I, w- I didn't even tell you this. I'd like to hear what you think okay. about this. Speak for the masses, Sophia. All right. Um, I actually went on a date with a guy, mm-hmm. and he and this was a first date. Okay. And he asked to see a picture of my mom. Shut up. And Shut if anyone up. doesn't know what that no. means, a lot of times guys will ask to like see what your mom looks like because they basically think that's what you're going to look right. like when you're older. So they want to see if you're going to look like snatched. 
Wait, hold that. Older. Wait, were you offended? I feel like I kind of would be like, dude. I thought it was fucking weird. Like, that yeah, is my first really date. Weird. I don't That's even crazy. know. Yeah, I was like, I don't even know if we're gonna make out. I don't even know if I like you. Oh and my, you're already planning. You even like pull up a picture of your dad. Yeah, you fucking loser. You <laughs> like, and while you're at it, pull out your dick. Right. Let me just quickly <laughs> get to the point. Do I want to fuck it or not? <laughs> fuck you. So that wow. was interesting. Fuck guys. Uh, all right. So men care about the face. What do girls? No, men care about the body. Fuck. Wow. Men care about the body. Yeah. They don't care about your face. Fuck no. What do girls care about? Uh, uh, <laughs> money. <laughs> money. Money, money. Money, your bank, your bank account. account. And that is all that matters and here. Money. Right. You, when he was like, let me see your mom, you should be like, let me see your 401k. Let's go. Yo. Boom. How fuck wow. it's true. Um, I actually think it sounds fucking corny, but I don't really care about the body. I care more about his face. So it's kind of opposite. And to top that off, and people are going to be like, Sophia, the fuck out of (laughs) here, their personality. It's true. It's true, though. Guys could care Guys guys are so visual. They care so much about the way a girl looks. It just is what it is. But confirming, because I could see. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I mean, okay. So, like, this clip is. fun? Yeah, I'm having so much fun. I mean, it is. It is funny because, like, it's kind of the same as what we said earlier about the incels. Like, in that they they actually have a pretty solid understanding of gender dynamics and how it manifests in sex. Like, what they're describing here is objectification, right? When they're talking to this guy, fucking MILF Hunter, I don't need to know who that is. Um, Cerise did I inform me of that, you, but I... <laughs> I've listened to so many of these episodes in order Ugh. to prepare for what we're doing here, but I don't have to fill you in on the lore if you don't want it. Ugh, I mean, like, I... I assume he's another podcaster. I No. Ugh. I could bear I could barely hear you over the clip, so so who is he? I'll I i want to know now. My he's insatiable just like, curiosity. He's one of the he's one of the guys that they're dating at the time. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. Disgusting. And he just told her that. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So what they're describing here is is objectification. Like they could they quote this milf hunter guy um, who is apparently one of their boyfriends and how he refuses to have sex with a woman who has a body that differentiates from the type that he's attracted to. Like he says like, Oh, Ariana Grande. I don't even want to repeat that. That was disgusting. Um, (laughs) That was so gross. It made me want to vomit. Um, I feel so bad. Uh, Anyway. Yeah, no, what? I felt I felt unclean after listening yeah. to too much of this. That was like truly one of like the worst moments I've ever heard recorded in audio format. That was disgusting. Anyway, <laughs> like obviously, like what it what this MILF hunter guy means is that he sees these women as like interchangeable and wants women to be interchangeable to him, which is Shocking that he just, like, confessed that to, I assume, his girlfriend. Um, yeah. So, like, like yeah. that their faces, which, like, is where their humanity would be. I, you know. Well, that's... no, I mean, it's just, like, that's it's a place where it, it you become an individual. Like, yeah. Next to someone else who has the same, like, body type as you. It's, yeah. like, the thing that... that allows that person to tell the two of you I mean, apart. like, in his mind, like, that's the human aspect is your face. 
Um, and their character, like it means, it means nothing to him. He's looking for women shaped objects, looking for like a triangle with titties and not a woman. Like, and they acknowledge that this is a fact and give their audience advice, how to be the best woman shaped object Jesus fucking Christ, I hope if you listen to this podcast, you are listening to this right now and you're slowly re-educating yourself. I do not think that they, I think that there's no crossover. Um, I just, I want hope. (laughs) I want, I want some hope for these people who are listening to this. There's definitely no crossover at all. I think there might be more crossover between people who listen to Joe Rogan and us than people who listen to Call Her Daddy and us. That's the number one, so... Like, maybe, you know, but I feel like the answer to that one is also no. Um, Anyway, like, they're, yeah, they're, like, not just giving advice to their audience on how to be, like, the best woman-shaped object, but also how to enjoy being one. Like, how to take this experience where you are being used and degraded and decide that you like it, like, Something that they do as a sort of like little tongue in cheek haha is like they sell merch that says like degrade me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like they're willingly like interacting with like having relationships with men that like express these really awful and like dehumanizing things about the way that they like view women. Um, like, dating someone who tells you that they don't care about women's faces Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and like there's you know there's another bit like in that episode where they're saying like you know guys we know that you do care about personalities if you're trying to date but we know that if they're just trying to get their dick wet, like you're just trying to fuck, you don't give a fuck about what her personality is because you're kicking her out after you're fucking. Um, so these are the women who are having the Ubers called on them as yeah. soon as the guy nuts. And also they're cool like, to yeah, see, this is... It's just very cool to see Adam and Eve put their stamp on this. Like, yep. We would like you to advertise our sex toys, please. Who are they? Um, Who's Adam? Adam and Adam and Eve, the online, the largest online retailer of like sex toys. Not familiar with it. Anyway, well, um, <laughs> well, it's just like, the, yeah, the cover that... of the podcast says "presented by Adam and Eve," so that's why I. God. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. but yeah, just like the I don't know the um, like I was saying something. And I lost it because we started talking about Adam and Eve. Okay, one second. Yeah. I'm coming back to it. Oh, okay. These are the women that are getting the Ubers called on them. Mm-hmm. And just that, that, like, they have accepted that as being a, a part of, like, the the dating experience. Like, that if you are just having... Um, like casual sex with a man like if you know they're saying that they recognize that like men maybe do care about personality when it comes to dating but but otherwise like you're just a hole to him which is the title (sighs) of this episode Um, and that you like should expect to be kicked out as soon as it's over and that your personality doesn't matter and they're not saying this in a way of like this is 
too bad that this is our experience or like we should hold the men that we're dating to a higher standard until they like stop behaving this way or something it's just like this is this is a part of dating and we're like having fun making jokes about it and we're also having fun like being within like these experiences um Mm -hmm. even though they are they're horrible (laughs) even though they're literally it sounds like my worst nightmare on boyfriends watching porn should i be offended what do i do i mean we fucking answered this one before but i'm gonna read it until every time someone asks this i'm just gonna keep reiterating so you know what? actually sophia you're actually about to convulse over there sophia's <laughs> breathing heavy why don't you answer sophia is it cheating if your boyfriend watches porn um yeah that's totally fine if you don't want him to watch porn mm-hmm. he will just end up <laughs> coming inside of a two cent hooker on the side of Broadway and 27th Street on a Wednesday morning when he's so sexually frustrated and has so much pent up sexual frustration that he just had to blow a load inside of a prostitute before his work shift because you went again just they're so gross in a way that is boring and that I cannot yeah. abide they are very boring. Something that I noticed while listening to them it feels is like that they, they're so vulgar with how they talk yeah. about sex. But then the sex that they're describing is always pretty tame. Like, it's like, I love it when a guy is freaky enough to fuck me from behind. And I love being nasty and dirty and, and sucking sw- dick. And it's like, oh, like... I feel like these are, uh, like, pretty standard. It feels like like I'm listening to two eighth graders, like, just, like, swearing and, like, saying, like, I love sucking dick and, like, look at my holes as, like, a way to be, like, edgy and provocative. But all they're saying, they're proving to me in the end is that, like, they don't know that much about sex. When a man is filthy and fingers me in the Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love they... when a man just takes my hole and. <laughs> oh, yeah? Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> just takes my hole and does it mm-hmm. missionary style. Ooh, that's Ooh. so kinky. Fuck Nasty. my whole missionary. That's, that would, that's a very funny thing to say. I Okay, so I did not include this in our notes because it was not relevant. But mm-hmm. something that these girls are, and we're, we're the, the one girl actually, the one that's still on it, is famous for, is um, being really good at blowjobs and she gives advice (laughs) on how to be really good at it i don't believe her never (laughs) calls it well she never calls it a blowjob she always calls it the gluck gluck 9000 which i have to say does not not sound sexy but also i was reading and then i listened to the there's an entire episode devoted to how to do this and I listened to the episode, and it's mostly hands. Like, I, it's it, they they want you to use both your hands oh. and like twist like uh, up and down 
while also using your mouth. But that means that there's actually very little mouth that's going on there. Cause, yeah, that's cause the it's trick. Mostly covered by the hands. That that's are doing the, that's all the, the Julia work. Fox which, like, trick when you're like, blowjobs you know, are like, gross. <laughs> do it, do whatever you want. There's there, there's probably a wrong way to give a blowjob, uh-huh. but there's not like one right way. And I'm mm-hmm. not here to tell you what to do, but I think that if you're putting yourself out there as I'm, I'm the Gluck Gluck nine thousand expert, and then you your technique <laughs> is all hands. I, <laughs> It's basically a hand job with a little bit of licking. But that's, like, that's I, it's a, yeah, their uh, approach to talking about sex is so middle school. And so that, that was very funny to me where she was like, I'm going to teach you how to give the most epic blow job. I guess Step some people one, have not emotionally. Hands. <laughs> I mean, I guess some people haven't grown since like middle school homecom- homecoming. So to them, it sounds like familiar to have the older girl in the bathroom tell you how to do a blowjob and it's mostly just dry hand stuff. Well, she I mean, said I get- you gotta get your she said you gotta get your hands very wet. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm licking my hands? You gotta just get your hands dick. very wet. <laughs> Or else suck. you're gonna give him rug burn, is what they you know, said. To quote um, Tati, so to quote Tati Westbrook, you, sucking dick and cock. Like you just, you have to just suck it. It's you not, don't have to. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> I am, I am merely pointing out that if you are claiming to be an expert, <laughs> I want you to follow through with some expertise instead of um, just spitting on your hands like you're a Looney Tune about to pick she, up she something said, heavy. Step one. <laughs> Get your hands extremely wet. (laughs) You ready for this, babe? Patooey. Okay, I have another piece of sex advice, actually, which is that you never want sex to feel mechanical. And so going through a step-by-step list of step one get your hands very wet (laughs) step two place your hands on the penis step three (laughs) all right i'm gonna i'm gonna twist your hands around like all right it's gonna feel very (laughs) strange to you and probably to the other person because now you're you're thinking about your steps what you have become is the the man who's spelling his name with his tongue Mm mm-hmm you know, yeah. and it's like no one, no one likes that. So don't or spelling the alphabet or whatever it is that they're told to do. I'm gonna um, give you a, an audio drama for. Um, this is this gonna, is what it was. No, I'm not gonna, gonna do I'm, the gluck gluck nine thousand on us. I'm gonna give you the 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 fraction of a second before the gluck gluck nine thousand. All right, you're right. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> Just rubbing stop, your hands. To, stop. Like, <laughs> don't do that here. <laughs> We're going to cut that audio out. Um, but yeah, I think like the we've gotten away from the actual audio that we played, but just just that like it was, a, I think, a good example of, you know, this person who was calling in with a question being like this thing that my partner does makes me feel weird or bad about myself. And the advice is just like, get used to it. Or things will be worse. Um, And I think that that, like, 
really makes the the com- comparison of stigma like of the stigma of women's sexuality to Jesus's crucifixion like it starts to make a lot of sense cuz Jesus did not have to do all that no he he was up there on his own volition on that cross uh arching his little back um, did quite suffered- a few people come up to him and just be like y- you don't have to do this and he was like nah i'm gonna like kind of for like a couple days the pontius Pilate, who was the emperor of rome was like i feel like it's gonna make me look bad if i execute you since everyone thinks that you're the messiah so i could just let you go even mm-hmm. though you're like in here and you're supposed to be executed and jesus is like you can't you can't do that like i'm not gonna let you do that you gotta gotta let me have this and mm-hmm. so like yeah he had some he had some options um also like he knew that he was gonna get crucified he could have just run away yeah he yeah, asked he just God bounced. when he was he spent 40 he sat, days in the desert do i have to do this and down at and a dinner god party was like, yeah god was like you got to do this to save humanity but he could have said like i nah. don't want to like i want to be a skater um but he he so he like you know he <laughs> suffered and he died willingly on the cross mm-hmm. not out of retribution for like a wrong that he did because like me jesus was never wrong he was born without yeah. sin also like me um he like died in order to save humanity's sins it was his choice to let himself be sacrificed in that way and he did it because he thought the price of his life was worth it and in Mm -hmm. the same way just like jesus the (laughs) women have called her daddy they shared that mindset um you know like they are knowingly putting themselves in the path of being hurt um but they do it because they think it is like a necessary sacrifice um of a worthy goal which is being loved i guess in being loved i think also maybe like not being like thrown out of society like not Mm -hmm. being scorned by men yeah getting to participate and be picked somewhat um Mm -hmm. and then also like yeah getting to like experience closeness when you can yeah yeah i mean Another necessary sacrifice, um, or what they think is necessary sacrifice, is uh, one's own sexuality. Like, to submit to patriarchal standards for sex, women have to approach sex on men's terms, which is why they are okay with them watching porn. Um, because at least you're not. I don't. I can't repeat a single thing they say. It just makes me want to vomit. Um, <laughs> Uh, they're not nice girls yeah (laughs) yeah they're not nice girls um (laughs) they so men's terms is like making secondary the possibility for uh physical pleasure in exchange that their hope for metaphysical closeness will be rewarded what Um, we're saying is they are not coming which they they have confirmed in episodes several um have an episode called why we don't come so isn't that great what a what they're getting out of this approach is not sexual pleasure they're getting something else or seemingly any they kind have, of fulfillment um well they they feel fulfilled which is the whole point but like well, they've sacrificed like the 
physical sensation of fulfillment mm-hmm. in exchange for what they have instead. Mm-hmm. Which is so, I love, like, I'm sure they love what they have. It's so, they, it's so they great. do. They do yeah. love it. That's the whole point. They're, ha- yeah. they are having a great time. It's once again, like, like you said, I think we both live in a bubble where this is like, not how we experience life. So I can, it's a hard, it's, it's a hard road for me to travel to think of a life where I'm happy this way, even in like a diluted sense. Um, but anyway, um, when Dworkin describes this conflict um, in the character Alma from Summer and Smoke, um, Dworkin says she's stigmatized by the awesome drive behind her desire, the restlessness of her soul on earth, the mercilessness of her passion, hardest on her, leaving her no peace. Chaste or promiscuous, she is sexual because she is pure and extreme, with a passion larger than her personality or her social role or any conflicts between them, uh, with a passion larger than the possibilities in her life as a minister's daughter or, frankly, as a woman anywhere. Her desire is grandiose and amoral beyond the timidity she practices um, and the conscious moral morality she knows. Uh, she is stigmatized by her capacity for passion, not unlike artistic genius, the great wildness of a soul forever discontent with existing forms and their meanings. But she, unlike the artist, has no adequate means of expression. Basically, women be horny, <laughs> but then they don't have any outlet for that. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. they want they want passion. Like, they want to have, like, fulfilling, like, sex that is, like, good and, like, feels intimate. Mm-hmm. But they don't get to, they don't get to have Ooh. that. And so then, then they're, like, a, an artist with no, no paintbrush, no canvas. Mm-hmm. Just sitting there. And so then they have to make this, do. They got it. Yeah. Country girls. They Country make girls do. make do. And so they have to. And making do is like you learn to instead enjoy what what you've got. And mm-hmm. and that's what, what do these our, girls. What do our girls got? <laughs> what do our public intellectuals have? <laughs> Especially if you're getting slutty vibes from a bitch, aka you and me. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're like. I like literally don't know how to kiss. Uh-huh. Like, sorry, good night. And he's like, bitch, what? <laughs> yeah. Where's the pussy? So I held out on him. I made my ex-boyfriend wait to fuck me for three months. Fuck. For three months. I and love that, though. It, it was, but it was hard. Three mm-hmm. months, if you really think about that, like, it was a very long process. And I remember towards the end, he was, like, genuinely, like, <laughs> no. Like, no, like, are you a virgin? Like, you can tell me. But I took it, I think I took it to certain lengths. And that is why I remember being, like, okay. If I can train myself to give <laughs> the best blowjob on the face of the earth, if I can that's suck the started. fucking yeah, literally, no, that's where it started. Really, I'm not kidding. This is psycho. But I remember being like, okay, Alex, if you, this is gonna be fucked up, but I, this is what it was. It was a control thing. So for me, it was like if I don't have sex with them i need to give them something else that will obviously keep them happy and keep them around yeah so i would implement the blow job and that's where <laughs> savannah's like she is, is guys 
I'm coming into college or I'm in college and I want to preserve my reputation. Yes. Reputation. God damn it, Daddy Gang. Your <sighs> reputation is probably already extremely <laughs> fucked. <laughs> I know who's listening, and if you're no. anything like Alex and I, you're fucked. No, I'm just kidding. So, no. and yes. college is a huge opportunity for you to make sure you create the narrative for how you want your reputation to be set. Create the narrative. Now, if you guys remember back in the day, episode two, it's called "If You're a Five or a Six, You <laughs> die Need to Die for, for That, that dick. dick." This is what Alex <laughs> means. Okay, everybody, listen and listen, everyone. I don't want anyone's feelings to get this hurt. Is- gonna hurt feelings it's gonna rub but people it's the, the wrong fucking way. truth it is okay it is. if you are a hot girl mm-hmm. do not fuck the first semester that's the fucking truth it is first semester you need to be so careful you need to be so strategic because if you're a super hot girl mm-hmm. and you fuck around people are gonna be like oh yeah she's hot right. but like she's such a slut if you are super hot and you hold out you are gonna be this prized possession yes. that people are trying to get to the party yes. because they want to penetrate you guys line up your roster go yeah. to parties be the biggest fucking flirt you can be but do not let anyone fucking know mm-hmm. what your vagina is yeah. Yes, smells definitely. Like the first semester. Be, be a tease and Absolutely. definitely flirt. Now, this is the thing that's going to rub people the wrong way. This is the kicker. And this we is the hate kicker. to say it, we but... We hate to say it. If you're not a hot girl... If you are below a seven. If you're... Yes, if you are below a seven, mm-hmm. fuck a little. <laughs> fuck around a <laughs> little. <laughs> fuck her. Fuck I around. think if you are below a seven... You can be a little slutty. And this is why. Tell them. You will get the reputation of a girl that is willing to put out. (laughs) And you will get invited to fucking parties because once again, guys are like, okay, I can hopefully fuck her at the end of the night. This is the fucking hard truth. Listen up, ladies. And you don't have your looks (laughs) to fall on. It's true. So you gotta kinda... This is is why Call Her Daddy, no other fucking podcast or show is gonna say this and we're just telling you the fucking truth. Mm -hmm. If you are a five or a six or a seven or below that and the guys are like, yeah, but fucking invite her because at the end of the night when they want to get their dick wet and they couldn't get the fucking nine that's not willing to put out, they're gonna be like, yo, but fucking Cassidy is willing to go downtown. And the thing is, is it sounds fucked up, but really, like we said... Know your lane. Just if this, this is the thing, okay? If you're hot, don't fuck. If you're not as hot, just put out into the universe <laughs> that you're willing to be wrestled down like a wild hog. <laughs> I wish you did not <laughs> ever. You are willing to be put, wrestled down. Put like it a- out there. You're willing to be wrestled down like a wild hog. Oh my god. Okay. You gotta wrestle down Not like to be a wild hog. A wild hog. A hog. Okay. <laughs> if you're not a five to be or like six, you gotta die for that dick. Not to be like autistic again. Okay. Um, go ahead. But like I I don't quite understand how you yourself determine whether or not you are a five or a, if you are below a seven. Well, I if don't you quite... listen to the whole episode like I did, okay. then you would know that you have to, you got to look at everyone else in the school, the college that you're in, because this is advice for incoming college freshmen, for okay. people that are like 18. Cool. Um, Sick. And, 
and mm. then you have to look at like what the beauty standard is there and how people are treated and then you got to figure out where you where you fit into that I've never played this game because I'm a 10 out of 10 wherever I go um <laughs> And that is how people treat me. But, okay, I think that this, like, I mean, first of all, upsetting that this is, like, directed at women that are, like, going into college, so are currently in high school, and they're being told to die for that dick. Um, But I think it, it, like, um, again, like, fits into this analysis of, like, the... Uh, sacrifices that women are making themselves like choices that they are making um, that are like sacrifices towards their own like physical pleasure um, where I guess if you're in the like below a six category like you are now feeling like in order to um, be like relevant or like be like uh, considered worthy like under these patriarchal expectations um for women like you need to have sex with as many people as you can um and their reasoning for this is that like if you're not as hot like men are not going to want to work as hard to pursue you so you need to like make it easier for them um which is a you know it's a bleak outlook and then also I guess if you're in this like seven or above category like regardless of what you want like what you would like to do if even if you would like to have sex with people like you can't um if you want to like preserve your reputation which again is is just like code for like how men regard you um And so, yeah, like, these women deny themselves, like, a sexual experience that they want to have because they know that if they divert from the guidelines of patriarchy, like, if they express their desire to its true extent, it will mark them in another way. Um, Mm -hmm. Dworkin says, like, it is often pathetic, not noble, um, like, this being marked, uh, because the consequences to a human life of sex desired and had are often pathetic, reducing the person to pathos. Being marked by sexuality means that experience has effects. That one marked is uh, where one has been touched and the mark stays, that one is not new, nor is one plastic and rubber, a blow-up doll for sex. The stigma is not a sign of being blessed, chosen by and for sex because one is a sexual athlete or a sexual actor and therefore stands out vigorous and beautiful devoted to sex impervious to its costs being marked means that the sex has costs and that one has paid it means having human insides so that experience all experience including sexual experience has a human resonance um the stigma is being set apart not by a vocation for sex alone but also perhaps by a vocation for human consequences, loss, suffering, despair, madness. And I think like while we have been making fun of these two girls who are not nice, no. um, I also like I want to be empathetic in our approach to the 
adherence, the victims of call her daddy brain rot. Because like living in the world, it's very easy to see what happens to people who approach like their sexuality towards men on their own terms and like don't pay attention to the consequences that like men will impose on them and like those women are hurt and scorned and mocked um like Dworkin says being stigmatized by sex is being marked by its meaning in a human life of loneliness and imperfection where some pain is indelible and so it makes complete sense to me and I have like I like totally understand why um, rather than like putting yourself through an experience that is going to then like leave you in what, you know, Dworkin is calling like this pathetic state where you are then alone, like you and then, then instead like pay attention to the world around you and the rules that are in it. And even if they aren't like nice rules, you learn how to, play by them whether that means I guess like rating yourself out of 10 and then having sex with a lot of people because you know that like people aren't going to want to make an effort for you you have labeled Um, yourself ugly um yeah and then and then like are like lowering I guess like your standards for what you're willing to accept out of people because you know that the cost of like behaving otherwise is maybe like being isolated and lonely and like miss like and mocked Mm -hmm. um and so yeah like I I get it um yeah and I think that there's one last yeah um, one last clip call her daddy two from um, the same episode really um, yeah, call, from the ti- uh, the episode title is the girls he fucks versus the girls he dates, and so like you can kind of get from that already <laughs> that they are having this understanding of like there is a difference between yeah. the women that men choose to use versus the ones that they are like willing to share intimacy with, which kinds of like brings us back to the like idea that the men were sharing in the repulsion episode where it's like it's not like all of the women that they had sex with were making them feel like grossed out and like shameful and sad after um and like they would still pursue sex with those women anyway Mm -hmm. but wouldn't let them get any closer than that and like these women have the same understanding that this happens and have decided to like make peace with yeah that and, and create and a thesis around it you know yeah um, and have fun with it and they yeah. enjoy it and they like it only fuck white guys right that's not girls don't no, do that no i think girls will have guys that they won't take seriously right but it's not it's not in the same way it's not i don't think it's you know? more i don't think it's also driven really by looks I'm not going to be- buy that bank account. Oh, let's be baby. Real. Let me see your 401k. No I, mean, no, no, I mean, let's be real. If I'm fucking around with a guy and he like doesn't have a good job. Right. I'm probably going to be like, okay, yeah, I'll fuck him fucking. if he's good at sex, but I'm not going to yeah. date him. Yes. But m- maybe there's some yeah, yeah, girls yeah. that do, but not really. And it's so bizarre how guys are like, that. I think it just comes down to men are disgusting. <laughs> they re- they're, they're gross. <laughs> 
They are. Men are so fucking yeah. like just sexually driven yeah. and how they're able to compartmentalize sex yeah. in their life. It's really interesting because I feel like women aren't really like that. I think we wanted to bring this up because well, Sophia I want- and I found ourselves being insecure and yeah. we're not really insecure girls, yeah. but we wanted to bring it up because I think it can mentally fuck with a mm-hmm. girl. I talked to my friend and he's a guy about this whole theory and he said that the reason he thinks that guys are doing this, that they're just fucking girls that they wouldn't date, mm-hmm. is so that they can make sure they don't get any emotional attachment. That's a whole different layer. I actually... Whole different that's layer. a whole different layer. Five-layer bean dip on this one. Okay, so <laughs> for this bean dip... But now that I just said that, okay, so what? So, like, a girl with fake tits, he just knows he can't get emotionally <laughs> attached to. A girl from a certain ethnicity or country he knows knows yeah what this whole thing is so confusing it's a mind fuck you men men are are weird you guys are disgusting your whole gross sex is just stop thinking with your picker and your penis your pickerty pockerty you know they're so close to getting it like when they talk about um you know just recognizing that like men are yeah the men that they are with are able to compartmentalize sex in their life like to the point where they like pursue sex with people that they like don't respect aren't really attracted to or like only attracted to in a way that they like wouldn't want to be seen with them and in public um it's interesting that they like they bring up um you know that they'll be with like women of different ethnicities because Mm -hmm. i um imagine that that's like probably a really like common experience for straight white men you know and and so like they they like are recognizing all of these things that are awful and like in like this clip is out of context but the context is that they are talking about the men that they are with yeah currently and the men they have fucked they no, no no the men that they are currently with are the ones that are telling them like that they are the girls that they would want to date, but mm-hmm. that they they have these other like completely opposite types of people that they will like only pursue for sex. And they are taking that information and they are going, yeah, cool. So here's how to become like the kind of girl that a guy wants to date. And here's how to know if you're, just the kind of girl that a guy wants to fuck and that's okay too because like sometimes that's fun even if he's calling you an uber as soon as like as soon as he nuts and I Mm -hmm. think that like where Dworkin takes this at the end is with um a summary of the uh like the story of streetcar named desire yeah at the end this character Blanche she shares with her sister Stella that yeah, I've, she was raped by Stella's husband. I've I've read um, I've I've read this before. It's a it's a really good play. Um, and I don't know, you know, um, I I think that um, you know, it's 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 one that really is is absolutely I think integral to this analysis in the sense that like, um, you know, the the main conceit is that you know Stanley like really hates Blanche. He, he, he hates her kindness. He hates like who she is um, and how she kind of like has intruded on their life by um, staying with them. 
and he you know she he gets he rapes her and then as um blanche comes to her and tells her like this is what happened um stella refuses to believe her and as dworkin says stella cannot believe blanche um and keep living with stanley at the same time so stella chooses not to believe blanche does not believe blanche um yeah and and i think that that's really that is the part that's really key is that it's like it this is not like the behavior of someone who like doesn't know better Mm -hmm. it is it is calculated and it is calculated as like a way to be safe and also as a way to like continue being in this world that you're in where it's like yeah you can't believe this woman when you are living with your husband who is the person that is like done wrong to her so you don't believe her and I think like in the same way like if the call her daddy girls were to start like calling out men for the way that they treat them um, or like naming these behaviors as like wrong and degrading and upsetting, like then they would not get to date men. Like their dating options would become yeah. really limited. Yeah. Um, and I mean, so in, they, they don't do that. And as a result, they get to be like what they consider like successful in dating. And then that is something that they enjoy. Like it's, um, like, I, I'm not saying that it is the right thing to do, but I think it's very easy to be like, these people are, like, silly or stupid or, like, mm-hmm. they're just wrong. But, like, when you don't feel like you have any other options, you have to, like, make do with the options that you have. Yeah, and, um, the, and with your own, like, um, narratives. Like, one of the main keys of Streetcar Named Desire is, is that... Um, Blanche likes to make up stories um, to both Stella and Stanley about um, her former suitors, about Mitch and um, about um, a couple other like former lovers of hers and tries to make up these stories like, oh, they came to me and they asked me for forgiveness and they wanted to take me back, but I rejected them. And um, one of the things that like really sets Stanley off very often is is Blanche um, like lying um and they like challenge her on a lot of these different um narratives about her um and then they you know they punish her because of it and then towards the end of the story you know they're having a poker game they're packing up blanche's things um blanche is like taking a bath in like a really catatonic state um and you know as the doctor comes to take her away because she's being institutionalized um, after not being believed, she just kind of snaps and has a mental breakdown. She falls a couple times, um, and everyone is there, and they're having, like, you know, a kind of a breakdown at watching this woman trying to leave this house and go to an institution. And eventually the doctor helps her up, and she says, um, whoever you are, I have always relied on the kindness of strangers, and that's the end of the play. And it really is, like, the the core thesis is the idea that she has always relied on other people um but only in exchange for sex those are like half of her stories are about the lovers that she has relied on um in order to gain empathy um in order to be um both loved and just helped generally um 
so you know in this constant exchange for sex she believed she would get kindness um in return and then when um she's violated and she doesn't get that kindness again she uh realizes that um the only people she can rely on are people who don't know her um (laughs) it's really really sad the like the final description of that like that Dworkin has of like you know Blanche's human integrity is broken destroyed um because her sister prefers believing she is mad to facing the truth a paradigm for women her sister's complicity is the death blow to her mind is like I think um another way that this connects to like the what we've what we've been hearing um where it like the, like the example of the the girl that called in that like was like it bothers me when my boyfriend watches porn like how do mm-hmm. I handle this and the response is like get Let used him. to it <laughs> yeah like <laughs> but and it and again like I think that it's it's easy to like laugh at that or to just like call these women like callous but it is like you have to I like there is a choice of um mm-hmm. being like well you can like stand up for yourself and call out like every time that like a male partner that you have like does something that feels dehumanizing to you um but then where we but then, end as up, they're saying yeah. like this you know maybe he's going to leave after that or like he's going to laugh at you or he's going to do something else that disrespects you and they don't want to have to deal with any of those like potential options which are like completely possible real options that they have like figured out based on um like what their, men have their told own, them like you know like what, what, what people have told them and also like their own like analysis of life yeah and so they would rather believe that you are like that we're not you but like that that person that called in is like stupid or silly or naive than believe that they are correct for like wanting mm-hmm. to um like get the person that they're dating to stop doing something that bothers them yeah, in some um, ways they are the Stellas of um, this. And it doesn't, like, like the play wants, like, does make it very clear that, like, Stella is not, like, necessarily a villain um, so much as, like, a woman caught. Um, yeah, I don't think that these women are villains. I think that yeah. they're villainous. Yeah. Um, and I, but I they're think devious, that it's a, I will say. I can, I understand why it is popular and I mm-hmm. understand the pull that it has. And I think that, like, I have to recognize with myself that like um I don't have to worry about being in a like a dating culture where this is just a normal experience for me um and I think it is completely completely understandable to like want love Mm -hmm. and then to like feel like you have to make some sacrifices to get that when that is all that you see everyone like around you doing and I think that the attraction of like learning to um enjoy making those sacrifices rather than feeling like put upon all the time that like makes complete sense to me as well um but it's you know it's just like it is it is sad Mm -hmm. um and I think that that is like the 
the tragedy of like this this chapter of stigma because like as Dworkin says like having an interior life of wanting and needing um gives fucking human meaning in a human context but without that inner fear and fragility fucking is likely to become as Tennessee Williams wrote in the play like quick and hard and brutal like the jabbing of a hypodermic needle um and I think that that's like a it's just you know it's just like a very like tragic reality that Mm -hmm. some women feel like they have to like learn how to operate within um yeah yeah it's really sad you know like it's it's easy to say you know like that like you can just make the choice to be alone but Mm -hmm. that's a hard thing to do in reality I um, have always relied on the kindness of podcasters. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Although it is better to be alone. I'm going to say <laughs> way better to be alone than to deal with a man who is telling you any of the things that these girls. A guy who calls himself Milf them. Hunter. Um, well, I think that's their nickname for him so that they're not revealing his identity. Okay. But he is also hunting milfs. Well, you're all. She also was having sex with Logan Paul, so I think that that she did have sex with Logan Paul. It's, I it's think a better decision on, to be alone than to have sex with Logan Paul. Is my and unfortunately, based on what she's shared about her sexual partners, I think Logan Paul might be one of the best in the in the top top no. three. Um, I mean, he can do the splits, so he can do the splits. Maybe he's flexible. I don't know. Ugh. Okay, well, that concludes this episode of my year of not sucking and fucking. Thank I you. I will never listen to those women again. No, never again. You know, we showed a I'm lot of empathy. My ears. But never again. Never again. Ever, ever. Yeah. Um, well, I draw the line. I, I, have, I have empathy, but I don't need to be, don't need to yeah. be in it. Yeah, so... Thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, If you're listening to this in the future, um, this was initially a, this is currently, I don't know. I don't know how to refer to time in this sense. It's Patreon exclusive, but then it's not. If you want to get in when they come out, then you can join our Patreon. And then you'll get to listen to all of the episodes of My Year of Not Sucking or Fucking as soon as they come out. But if you don't, that's fine and they're gonna come out like a month after mm-hmm. um but also like joining our patreon gives us more uh money which i mm-hmm. like because that i need yeah. to i need to get my lips filled soon cerise needs but lip also, fillers <laughs> i need lip fillers but also like it allows us to put more time into the things that we're doing and to mm-hmm. buy our guest microphones and stuff so like you yeah. should think about it and eventually, you if you, you know, it. if you lovely little pay pigs made this our full time job, then all we do is make content. You know? Oh, yeah, we could, you know, listen to call her daddy all day long. Yeah, if that's what you wanted, pay pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> How much money do you need for this to be your full time job? I don't know. What are you looking for? What's the dollar amount? For the two of us? Um, what do you need for me personally i'm gonna go with the yeah. with the communism kills uh lucky number and go with uh eight thousand dollars to buy my silence um really yeah eight thousand dollars a month like i could i could live off of like 
2000 a month. That'd be good for me. Okay. Okay. Individually. So that I get brings that. us to 10 total. Uh-huh. So that's that's what we're looking at here. <laughs> Pay pigs. Kendall's used to a different lifestyle than I am. They have a million dollar trust fund that they're living off of. I was making a funny they reference. They can't use to um pay pay their lifestyle <sighs> right now for some reason. The I trust am, fund's locked I off. I am bullied. <laughs> I am maligned. Yeah, I, you're also from Connecticut and you've got blue eyes. Yeah, I do deserve and you're an it. Omega. <laughs> okay, the omega part I don't think I deserve it for the omega part. You took the t- the quiz twice. I took the quiz twice, and you got Omega both times. Yes, but does that so mean does that mean I deserve bullying? What? You deserve bullying for other reasons, and I'm incorporating the Omega. Are Omegas not into the it. ones that are oppressed within the Omega verse? I feel like it is. It is certifiably unwoke to make fun oh, so of the because omegas. you're white you know i can't call you an omega not that i'm saying don't make fun of omegas generally any of them <laughs> i am not going to abide by that anyway <laughs> um we're at big soy naturals on twitter and on instagram we have and a website my twitter is at commodify this um and we have a website also mm-hmm. and like send us an email and Kendall also has a Twitter and it's she herzog mm-hmm. and that's all that we have for you bye. that's all that's all bye this is my year of not sucking or fucking let me be clear yeah I've been fucking in morning Talk is one of my favorite tastes. But in fact, there have been periods of time in our history where a president inspired the American people to kill innocent people. And I think we're in one of those moments right now. Not only that, the ball's now amazing. This is a certified Big Soy Naturals classic.